I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. We are talking about a Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire classic today, um, Swing Time. Um, it is a movie that has music by Jerome Kern and some of Fred Astaire's like most famous numbers um, and a lot of recognizable tunes, um, all of course written by Jerome Kern. Um, it pairs these these two dancers that are pretty much famous for dancing together, um, and it tells the story of them meeting in New York as dancers falling in love, and uh, chaos ensues. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not be hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts about this movie. <laughs> so I have some trivia about it. Um, apparently, the director of this film was very much a perfectionist, so they did tons of takes of everything. Oh my god. <laughs> so according to Ginger Rogers, she performed the Never Gonna Dance number so many times that her shoes were filled with blood by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dark side of dancing. Um... Supposedly, President Obama referred to a quote from the movie in his inauguration speech. Well, um, what was the quote? Um, they did not say, <laughs> and then I didn't have enough time to look it up, but we have to look into this because I don't remember that. No, I don't remember that at all. Why would he quote swing time? <laughs> Especially with the weird racial tensions in the movie. But so, yeah, but we'll find out if that's true. Um, so there's. An extended blackface tap dance number in this, um, which we can talk about later, but the trivia about it is um, originally it was like a really, it was going to be a way more elaborate number, um, and it was, there was going to be a scenario called Hot Fields, which was a loose parody of the all-black vehicle Green Pastures. And it would have involved the Bojangles character traveling through a variety of stylized sets representing heaven, hell, and jungle locations. And would have involved many routines um, with the familiar Bill Robinson setting, Stairs. And it would have been 33 different scenes, so that's why they didn't do it. Because it would have just been, as it was, that was such a elaborate, yeah, like over-the-top number. Um, so the only things that ended up staying in were the oversized bowler hat and the enormously long legs. Yeah. Um, also, the idea for the shadows dancing behind uh-huh. a Fred Astaire in that number occurred to the choreographer um, during rehearsals when there were three different light sources illuminating Astaire. And so there were three shadows, and they thought it looked really cool. So they... That. I did actually think that was a cool Yeah, concept. that was a neat technical thing. Um, in the way you look tonight, Ginger Rogers is seen to be washing her hair, but she had to still look glamorous, you know? So, like, they tried all these different Glamorously things. Glamorously washing her hair. <laughs> they tried soaps, shampoos, and even egg white, but everything would run down her face when she came out. Um, so they finally used whipped cream to make it look that way, which is funny because in the uh, similarly like terrible movie to watch, Varsity Blues, <laughs> there is a like 
whipped cream bikini scene, but actually they use shaving cream for that because <laughs> it didn't work. Um, <laughs> the magic of the movies. <laughs> uh, apparently this was Ginger Rogers' favorite of her movies with Fred Astaire. And I was surprised to see that this movie is on like a ton of best film of all time lists. Like Roger Ebert, like the, That's horrifying. Um, American <laughs> Film Institute, like all of these ones. So but let's show our cards <laughs> and say we disagree. <laughs> they I are mean, wrong. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is they must have been like I wonder if they were doing really interesting things with the way they filmed it that I just didn't appreciate. Yeah, I mean I feel like the cinematography was maybe the best thing about the movie, but and maybe that's why it's on those lists. But, but there's no plot. There is zero plot. There's no plot and there's not enough singing and dancing numbers to make up for the fact that there's no plot. <laughs> yeah. Cause I can do a vapid musical that has great singing and right. dancing, but this was for the length of the movie there were like four dance numbers. Yeah, and the, a lot of the songs didn't advance the plot. <laughs> and they didn't have accompanying dancing yeah. either. That's I mean, true. There was a lot of him sitting at, well, you know, the way you look tonight. The, yeah. Sitting at the piano. So, I mean. And yeah. she's washing her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Underused talent. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us about Ginger Rogers? Yes. The first thing I will say about her is that her Wikipedia article is longer than all of the other people that I've looked up. Oh. Um, it's like it's five pages long. No, more than that. It is one, two, three, four, five. Five pieces of paper. So it is. Double sign? Yes. So, wow. Somebody was very passionate about Ginger Rogers, and it is <laughs> not hard to see why just because she was in, so she was in ten movies with um, Fred Astaire um, um, of a total of 73 movies that she made um, which is sort of it seems like a lot that that 10 but it's not a huge percentage of her years of her films so she was born in Independence Missouri and raised for the first nine years of her life um, in Kansas City um, she was born in 1911 um, and then um, when she was nine her family um, which was mostly her mother. Her parents split when she was before she was born. So it was her mother and her, her grandparents. Um, they moved to Fort Worth, Texas, um, and eventually moved um, to California so that her mother could pitch an essay she'd written to a studio to be made into a film. So that's oh. a, it's an interesting. Um, <laughs> um, but she won a dance concert or a dance contest um, that um, launched a vaudeville career for her um, and then that um, that um, inevitably led to a, uh, a Broadway acting career um, and then um, eventually to a contract with Paramount Pictures um, for which she made five movies. Um, her first successful film role um, was in 42nd Street, which was made in 1933. Um, she went on during that decade to make those ten films with Fred Astaire. Um, and then there were two um, commercial failures uh, with him, and so she sort of went her own way. 
um, and became one of the biggest box office draws of the 1940s, um, beginning with winning an Academy Award for Best Actress for the movie Kitty Foyle. Um, later in the 1940s, in 1949, she um, reunited with Fred Astaire um, for the movie The Barclays of Broadway, which I have not seen, but I would be interested in seeing a later film. Um, and then after not working very much in the 1950s, um, she returned to Broadway um, in 1965 to play the lead role in Hello, Dolly, um, which is kind of fascinating. Um, she, um, she worked up until um, 1987 um, and then uh, died of a heart attack uh, in 1995, which I vaguely remember. <laughs> um, but she was a Republican and a Christian scientist. Oh. Um, <laughs> she was married five times um, and was, all of those marriages um, ended in divorce. Um, and had no children. She had no children at all. Um, and speaking of the AFI um, and their lists, um, she was ranked number 14 on the list of female stars of classic American cinema. Um, yeah. Oh, and she was born, her birth name was Virginia Catherine McMath. Ginger hmm. Rogers is a lot more catchy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's definitely the stage version of that name. Um, I thought she was just gorgeous. Like, even though we've been watching all of these incredibly beautiful people, they kept doing close-ups of her face, and it was so, so symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so beautiful. Like, um, incredible. Um, I kept thinking, you're kind of too good-looking to be with Fred Astaire. Yeah, but totally. <laughs> she's totally too good-looking. And she's so tiny. Yeah. Like, all, of, every, all of her dresses, I just... Gosh, yeah. so tiny. There's nothing to her. <laughs> um, well, I can tell you a bit about Fred Astaire, and I have a soft place in my heart for him because uh, when I was in college, uh, we had to take some sort of physical education class, and I took a dance class, and it was the history of American dance. So we did like went through all these famous choreographers, and we did a section on him, and I presented on him and I just thought his life was really cool and interesting the way he contributed to dance on film yeah and he's so different too from Gene Kelly uh, who's I also love but like their whole styles are so different yeah and um I really love his elegance <laughs> um so he was born in Omaha Nebraska to Joanna and Fritz Austerlitz uh, and he was his dad was a brewer, and they were immigrants. Uh, his mom dreamed of escaping Omaha by virtue of her children's talents, and uh, he entered show business at age five. So his whole early career was a brother sister act with his older sister. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And. Um, he was, they were successful in vaudeville and on Broadway. His sister's name was Adele, and she was considered the better talent. So basically he spent the entire like, first part of his life, like up into his 20s, sort of in her shadow. Because uh-huh. she was the one who had the stage presence and the charisma. And he was kind of like the straight man. <laughs> um, 
It just goes to show you that we can all have many different lifetimes of yes. <laughs> of work and success. At 14, he took over the musical responsibilities for their act, and a chance meeting with George Gershwin greatly influenced both of their careers because they collaborated on a lot of things. Uh, by the time he was in his late teens, his dancing ability, which was characterized by perfectionism and his constant quest for novelty was surpassing his sister. She was like more of the comedian in the act. They performed on Broadway and in London in the 1920s. Uh, After Adele retired to marry in 1932, Fred Astaire headed to Hollywood and signed to RKO. So he basically had to like reinvent his career because it was all with his sister. And it's, from what I read, it sounded like it was painful for him, uh, but it was also good because it like pushed him into different things. Um, There's a possibly apocryphal story that the notes on his first screen test read, quote, can't sing, can't act, balding, can dance a little, end quote. Uh, He was loaned to MGM to appear in Dancing Lady in 1933, where he danced with Joan Crawford before starting to work on RKO's highly successful Flying Down to Rio, his first pairing with Ginger Rogers. Um, He was reluctant at first to become part of another team after working for so long with his sister, but he and Ginger Rogers were so popular together with the public that he finally saw the appeal. And then they danced together in nine RKO pictures, including The Gay Divorcee, which he had previously appeared in a version of that on the stage that he kind of got famous for. Um, Roberta, uh, in which he also played the piano. He was a skilled pianist. Um, Top Hat, Follow the Fleet, Swing Time, Shall We Dance, and Carefree. And their partnership elevated them both to stardom. Catherine Hepburn reportedly said, he gives her class, and she gives him sex appeal. <laughs> Which is just such a Catherine thing to say. Um, oh Astaire had a number of special privileges that were rare for actors at the time. He received a percentage of the film's profits, which was extremely unusual for an actor. Um, he was also given complete autonomy over how the dances would be presented. He's credited with two important innovations in early film musicals. Uh, The first was that he insisted that an almost stationary camera film a dance routine in a single shot, if possible, while holding the dancers in full view at all times, which you can see in this movie. So you can really, like, appreciate the whole dance. Um, He apparently said, either the camera will dance or I will. (laughs) (laughs) And his second innovation was an insistence that all song and dance routines be integrated into the films to advance the plot. Because the previous style was just that it was more like a break from the movie. Like, it didn't have to have anything to do with what was going on. Like in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I know, I was like, this, I mean, I guess you could kind of say it's related, but it does not come to current standards. Uh, Although there was no plot, so you you can't really use the music (laughs) to advance the plot. He started musicals through 1957 and later performed a number of straight dramatic roles in film and TV. And he died from pneumonia on June 22, 1987 at 88. Shortly before his death, he said, I didn't want to leave this world without knowing who my descendant was. Thank you, Michael. Um, 
naming Michael Jackson as his successor. (laughs) Which I was like, that's really strange, but okay, Fred Astaire. (laughs) This just gets stranger and stranger. I know. I do think it's so funny that Catherine Hepburn said that because I've always liked Fred Astaire and he also had a reputation for being really nice, like an actual nice person. And even if he was working with people who weren't as good of dancers as he was he would like work with them to like so they knew the moves and um i liked that about him but i it is true that i just feel like he has no sex appeal yeah like none (laughs) and i felt like he needed to be like he needs to be partnered with someone who has a lot of that and to like balance it because otherwise you're like why would anyone want to be with this guy yeah well, particularly in this movie, which is... Um, well, should we get into it? Because it seems like we both have some thoughts. We have some thoughts. Um, yes. <laughs> um, what's your first thought about this movie? Um, I wrote, this movie stinks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if we hadn't been watching it for the podcast, I don't think I would have finished it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like like the the plot was thin, the characters were all stupid or unlikable in some some way. <coughs> um, the music was fine, but, like, didn't relate to anything. The, yeah. The costumes were lovely, but... <laughs> the dancing was really good. I mean, I, I loved watching the dance numbers. Yeah. I would have preferred to watch just two hours of dancing. them dancing. Yeah, um, I thought a lot of things also didn't make sense. Yeah, there were a lot of jumps in the narrative. Um, like, the part where that was ex- like extremely obvious was when um, they um, Penny and, and Lucky are supposed to go... Um, go to the audition and they miss it because he doesn't have the right clothes to wear and he's like he's losing his clothes to this like drunk guy that he's gambling against which like if he's such a ga- such a amazing gambler which he's like set up to be I don't understand why he doesn't a doesn't know the game that um, that he's supposed to be playing with but then also loses at the game and that's just like um, <laughs> but then you know they um, you, then you move forward a week and um, suddenly he has had all of this success and has won back all this money for um, Penny's friend Mabel and for himself and has like had all this success but he also was managing to like stage a, a strike outside of Penny's room for some reason <laughs> and for some reason Mabel is like totally on his team yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. That made no sense to me. And also, why was it so important that they perform? Like, was it that that part was never clearly articulated? Like, was it some sort of trial for her to become famous? Yeah. Like, did did it pay a lot of money? Because like they missed one gig, and it just seemed like, oh, well, now we're gonna try to perform. Like, I didn't understand what was like. Why was it an imperative? Yeah, I have no idea. That they were, like, so great together that they had to audition together, but then they just went to the nightclub and, like, 
gambled for the orchestra's contract and then they got it and then suddenly they were opening a nightclub with <laughs> yeah and they they're like renovating this this silver sandal which i don't why is it called the silver sandal <laughs> a lot of things were never um fully fleshed out like when he went and got an apartment in the same building as her yeah. and he didn't have any money but yeah. then like that was never addressed again. Like they never were like, oh, he has money now, so it's okay. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and also, was Pop just supposed to be drunk the entire time? I, I don't know. It seemed like he was drunk the entire time. Drunk, um, but then there's also a weird homoerotic scene where, like, she's left him and like ref- not gonna like do anything like with him, and um, and Pop is like, don't worry, I'll never leave you. But in a drunk slash lecherous kind of way. Yeah. I don't know. I I wrote pop character and subplot is annoying. (laughs) Like, in the very beginning when they were showing him, I was like, whoa, this guy's annoying. And I was assuming that he was just like the other guys that were stopping Fred Astaire from getting married. And he would, like, just disappear. Yeah. Um, And then he was in the whole movie. And I was like, why? Why? And I just, (laughs) ugh. And I also didn't... Okay, so the central problem, supposedly, of this movie is that Fred Astaire, well, Lucky, is engaged to this other woman. Margaret, right. Question. Does he... And before he meets Ginger Rogers, or whatever, does he want to marry her? Like, what is their connection? I don't understand. I mean, it's unclear whether, whether they want to get married because he, like, he, they're supposed to get married, and on his wedding day, he, like, can't doesn't keep track of the time and is, like, dumb enough also to, like, let his fellow dancers, like, tell him about the cuffs and, like, get him all, like, all out of sorts. And then suddenly he's like, oh, it's been, you know, it's been time, so I need to, like, go and, and go to this wedding place. And then he shows up and, you know, Margaret is not particularly angry at him for not showing up, but still yeah. is, like, happy to see him. And the, all he has to do is to say that he has a new business venture that he has to go, like, make some money. And he's like, oh, well, then it's totally fine. When you make $25,000, you can just, like, come back and, and marry Margaret. And Margaret is totally fine with that. Yeah, and that whole thing is negotiated by her father. Like, yeah. she's just... Perfectly happy to be a cow. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that all very strange because it seemed just like... What is his real obligation? Like, if he doesn't want to marry her, he can just break off the engagement. Yeah, there's no reason. Like, he doesn't... It's... it's He acts like he's being blackmailed or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. That he, like, can't possibly... He should never make $25,000. Which, how much money is that in, in the 1930s? A heck of yeah. a lot of money, it seems like. And he won't... He, re, he refuses to make $25,000. Um, because that will mean that he has to go back. Where like they didn't even shake hands. <laughs> no, and also like how would anyone know? I that know. Twenty five thousand. This, I mean, this is not a mistaken identity movie, which we are on the record as like not not yeah, liking. We are not watching that movie. But it is, it did seem like one of those movies where if people just talked to each other, the whole there would be no conflict. No. Like they both liked it. So Lucky and Penny both like each other. Yeah. There's no real impediment unless, like, unless we're supposed to believe that Lucky really does have feelings for 
the other woman, in which case he's kind of horrible because he's actively pursuing... Somebody else. Yeah, so I don't... I thought he was an unlikable character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and can we talk about the role of gambling in this movie? <laughs> I wrote, gambling is so normalized. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was very much like, this is the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. The 1930s involves gambling. <laughs> gambling for everything. Um, did you also notice how um, Ricky was, you know... The like Latin character was also like the bad guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there there actually were a number of like people of color in this movie, but they were all bad guys. Except for the the uh, the servant or uh, whoever at the end who took his yeah. pants off and gave them to Ricky. Oh my so that, gosh. And he could walk around with just like an overcoat on, but Ricky had to put on these extra large pants to go like. <laughs> Emily is rolling her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote about Lucky and Pop. They seem like a couple of low lives. Why does everyone keep forgiving them? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. I wrote. What kind of guy is lucky that he ma- doesn't make it to his wedding and then chases after Penny Carroll? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote. Gambling solves all problems in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's. There's that whole thing at the beginning where um, where Pop and Fred Astaire, um, well, Pop, like, goes rooting through um, Ginger Rogers's purse to take back his lucky quarter, and then, you know, Ginger Rogers summons the police because somebody's been pawing through her purse, and yeah. because he's wearing a, like, fancy tuxedo, the police is like, oh, no, he's too fancy to... Why would he steal a quarter from you? And then just, like, shoes her away. And... and yeah, that was horrifying. I mean, it was both, like, a like terrible stereotype of New York police, but also just, like... It, like, sets a tone for the movie of, like, women don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't feel like they were making a commentary on, like look how horrible this is that this stuff happens. It was just like, ha-ha. Silly lady. (laughs) Um, I also wrote this trousers joke stinks. It wasn't funny the first time, (laughs) and it's not funny the second time. No, but I did appreciate that it at least came back around again. That, like, if nothing else, we, like, start with a gag, and at least the gag comes back at the end. It It wasn't funny, it wasn't a good gag, but at least the, like... Like, the structure of it was in place. Um, Mike asked me at one point, is everyone high in this movie? <laughs> to which the answer is yes. Um, at the, ve- the very end had me so upset where she's about to marry Ricky. And then they pull the pants gag on Ricky and he falls for it. And then all of a sudden, everyone's just laughing about how they stole his pants. They're standing right there with his pants. And then the transition is like that. Like, Ricky is suddenly singing joyfully about losing. He's like, oh, so he's going to marry you now? Strike up the band. That's right. Hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. And his pants were right there. He could have just taken them back. I don't. There's no laughing in this movie. I, I didn't understand um, the appeal of Lucky. No. 
Because beyond his exceptional dancing ability, which I guess could take a man very far, but um, yeah. It, uh, I also I really liked how awkward their date was in that weird snowy scene. <laughs> that was probably the best scene. Although it was like the the staging of it was weird because Mabel tries to get her get Penny alone with. Um, Lucky, where, like, you know, after Lucky has asked Pop to keep the two of them apart and not alone, or not not alone with each other, I mean, it, like, seems pretty obvious that, like, Mabel is going to success, like, be successful on her, her in her way of, of um, getting the two of them together alone so that they can have this little awkward date and that Pop is not going to succeed because Pop is drunk. <laughs> but... Um, and and then Lucky gives up because he has no back backbone and just is like, okay, sure, I will be like, on this awkward <laughs> date with this with this lady. But then it's unclear why like Pop just suddenly starts telling Penny about Margaret, as if yeah. like does he think that Penny knows about Margaret? Or, or that's what I was wondering. Like if if Lucky really wanted to prevent himself from like having a relationship. Or if Lucky wanted to prevent himself from having a relationship with Penny, then why didn't he just tell her? Like, it was so, like... Yeah, I mean, yes, there's an easy way to not have a relationship with Penny, and that is to tell her about Margaret. Yeah, just say you're engaged. Or if he really liked Penny, he could have said, I'm, I like you a lot, but I'm engaged to someone, so I need to go take care of this. And I'll be back in, like, a week or something. But then um, Margaret suddenly shows up for like for reasons that are unknown because yeah. like I don't understand why she shows up to go see him dance when when what she's supposed to understand he's in New York doing is not dancing and not gambling but making money and something. Yeah, like, a new business venture. Right. So, That's true. How did she even know this? So why did she go see him dance? Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so many plot holes in this movie. Um <laughs> One thing I did like, which was like a uh, a choice, the choice they made about Lucky and Penny's first kiss, how it was behind the door oh, yeah, and they didn't actually adorable. show it, and then he had like lipstick all over his face. Yeah, I liked. I thought that was a cute thing, but then I was afraid that he was gonna like they would be so like like dazzled by this kiss that he was gonna then go on stage and do his whole number with this like smeared lipstick on uh, his face. Except for that was then the number that he was in blackface on. <laughs> that was so hard to watch. It was uh, and it reminded me of um at Christmas time Oh watching White, Christ- White Christmas? No. Holiday Inn. Oh. Holiday Inn. I kept thinking, why isn't this a more popular movie? Like, because it's you know, it's got... Um, Wait, is there a blackface scene in Holiday Inn? Extended. And it involves the um, male and female dancer. And the female dancer has, like, braids her hair so that it sticks out in all different directions. Oh, yeah. And, like... Oh, my gosh. It was at least in White like, Christmas, there's the whole thing, the, the minstrel show number. Just, like, a set. it's about blackface, but it, they're not in blackface. Yeah. Which I guess 
Which is usually... Is that better? I don't know. That's cut from the stage production of that now. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yes. I mean, one would hope, but yeah. It, and the, the sad thing was that um, the dancing in this number was really fantastic, but I couldn't enjoy it or appreciate it at yeah. all because... The whole, like, all the um, caricatured mannerisms of the way he danced. And actually, I don't think I said this in his bio, but he was a great admirer of... Uh, Fred Astaire admired the oh, real yeah. Bojangles. Yeah. And, like, was his dance was very influenced by him. So, but I was thinking, like, if you admire someone and they're, like, your hero, then why are you making them look clownish and, like... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I read some article about, um, you know, about whether but the Bojangles number was actually meant to be a tribute to him and not a, um, not like a caricature or whatever, that it was like, that it was, that he was trying to um, honor him with this dance, which, you know, there was some, um, <laughs> there was some part of the article that like talked about. Bojangles as a tap dancer and Fred Astaire is not a tap dancer and so like didn't actually have the capacity to pay proper tribute to Bojangles even if he was influenced by him it wasn't the same dancing it wasn't the same music it wasn't the same moves and so like he couldn't actually do it and so he was doing the best that he could but <laughs> I was when they brought up that like giant Head, yeah. With I was just like, Man no, of the shoe no. Soles. Oh my god! Oh my god! I know. <laughs> I, it was it was really horrible. One of the things that Jen pointed out was that um, that it is that that Bojangles number is um, is a dance that he performs in blackface without um, his white leading lady. That he dances with all these chorus girls as. As a as a black actor, but not with his white leading lady, which he she was uh, her. I, I think what she was suggesting was that it wouldn't have like been an acceptable thing for audiences or for the studio for a a black actor to dance with a white lady, which seems like that would be true. But I didn't yeah. even think about it. I could see that because in Holiday Inn, where they did a song and dance together, it. They were both wearing blackface. Yeah. That was awful because it was supposed to be for President's Day, and they were like singing and dancing about how Abe Lincoln saved them, <laughs> and it was just, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. Um, <laughs> no. So five stars. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we're going for. Um. <laughs> Oh, beautiful girl, what a gorgeous creature, beautiful girl, let me call a preacher, what Should can I do? Should we talk about the costumes? Because I did feel like those were really great. Yeah, I mean, one, there that the first time that they danced together, she's wearing this great dress that, like, is very flowy and, like, puffs up when she's dancing, and so you can see her legs from time to time, which I really liked. Because you could see her legs while she was dancing. Um, and I liked her other dresses uh, that were just so gorgeous. But um, and you couldn't really see her legs. And sort of like, yeah. what a waste of... <laughs> <laughs> that was my comment, too, that her dresses were too long. And you couldn't... 
like appreciate all the moves. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite number was the one that that they did towards the beginning in the dance studio. Yeah, yeah. And that whole like pick yourself up, dust yourself off, like that. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, I mean it was absurd, but because <laughs> <laughs> suddenly she's like, yes, you robbed me and you've been stalking me, but sure, fine, I'll yeah. Stalk you. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the. <laughs> I could go on at length how it makes no sense that she likes him, but okay. There's um, some alternate logic in this movie. <laughs> she looked really great in that one long dress with the like deep V. Yeah, it was like backless. But you were right; she looked like a like a reed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the dress that was sort of translucent, so that mm-hmm. when they were dancing, you could see that she there was like you could see the bodice underneath it. Um, and you could almost, almost see the silhouette of her legs, but not really. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> um, I liked that. I thought Fred Astaire's clothes were really nice in this movie, too. He yeah. does look great in a top hat. I, I was going to say, he does look nice <laughs> in tails and a top hat. Um, I read that he started wearing top hats in his act when he was really young because... His sister was older, so she was taller than him, and it was like a way of adding height. <laughs> I'm going to start wearing top hats <laughs> to add some height. Our knowledge has made us cynical. Our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. What did you More think about the social justice message of the film? What social justice message <laughs> of this film? <laughs> Gambling is fine. <laughs> Gambling is great. Alcoholism is hilarious. Yeah. Um, cheating at cards is, you know, not the best idea, but not the worst idea. Permissible. You can also gamble away the contracts of people jo- people's jobs. <laughs> it may look like slavery. It's not. Don't worry. And <laughs> you can judge whether or not someone would commit a crime by... The way they dress. That's right. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, I, there was no social justice message in this movie. <laughs> Why didn't we watch this movie? I don't know. It's so sad because they really are a good pairing, and this is such a sad example of it. Um, this, is a, this, a, this gives us a new low for a baseline from which to judge all the other movies we watch. I don't think I'll do anything of importance that will displease you, but mother, from now on, you must give me complete freedom. Did it pass the Bechdel test? You know, at some point I was thinking, I, I, I was paying close attention to the conversations that she and Mabel, that Penny and Mabel have, just to see like if it does pass the Bechdel test. And, I mean, be, beginning with Mabel just coming right out and saying, like, you're in love with him, based on no evidence that we have seen, um, I mean, they only seem to talk about what, whether or not, or why or how, um, Penny is in love with Lucky. Yeah, which makes me wonder if they just gaslighted her. <laughs> like, what if they're just like, you're in love with him? <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> that's why you feel this way. Actually, that's an interesting reading of the movie, because Mabel would be... Uh, she would be predisposed to like be pro lucky because he won all this money for her. That's true. I mean, that's like an interesting and weird um, dynamic that 
the movie, of course, doesn't touch on. Maybe it's a psychological thriller with a dark ending. <laughs> He's for- she's forced to marry her. <laughs> well, her choices were terrible, too. Like, Ricky was also like, I'm not going to let you dance because I don't want to see you dance with another man. Yeah. Um, Way to empower those women. I know. This is, yeah, not, not a feminist movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. What's your rating that you give this movie? I would give it... I'm going to give it... Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> one and a half stars. <laughs> because the dancing was exceptional. But honestly, I never want to see this movie again. Or... I am shocked that it's on all these lists. I, there has to be a better... I mean, Top Hat, which is not my favorite movie, is so much better than this movie. <laughs> is that also on the list? I don't know. So what, did you, what would you give it? Um, I, again, I was probably one and a half or two. I don't... I was going to say, I don't regret watching it, but actually I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, but there were some, like, you know, the cinematography and the, the sets, there were interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just what they were filming. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what they were filming on those sets that were, that was totally... <laughs> yeah. It's just absurd. The, the club... The club scenes were really beautiful. Yeah. And I kept saying to Mike, I want to go to a club like this where my table is literally like on the stairs where everyone's going to be dancing. Yeah. I mean, they, they, places like that just don't exist anymore. Unfortunately. Um, so well, I'm sorry <laughs> because this was my choice. <laughs> We've been sort of on a spurt of, <laughs> of strange movies. What was our other one that we gave like the next lowest rating? Do you remember? Um, was it American in Paris? It might have it? been. Although I feel like this movie, I mean, American in Paris was much better than this movie. Was it? For, <laughs> if you if you're looking at ratio of like bad plot to epic dance numbers, American in Paris. Oh, that's true. Totally surpasses. Well, this. but yeah, by dint of having a like <laughs> like twenty minute ending, ending fantasy ballet. Right. <laughs> yes, that's true. At least there was dancing. Um, yeah, but I think it was the most, well, and then there was Now Voyager. (laughs) Yeah. Now Voyager, like, I, I will say this about that movie. I have thought about it a lot since we watched it. Yeah. Like, so clearly it struck some kind of a nerve with me. Um, but we'll have to see if we find another one that we like less. I mean, if we, <laughs> is this if, our new quest? Watching bad movies. <laughs> if we do any westerns at any point, I'm well, sure man. I'll give them a low rating because I just can't with westerns. <laughs> but that might just be my bias. It's not that it's like terrible. <laughs> um, so what's our next movie? Um, Doris Day. Uh, please don't eat the daisies. <laughs> don't sleep on the daisies. <laughs> so. We're moving into a different time period. Well, yeah. Sort of moving up a little bit. That'll be great. Well, until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs> After all, tomorrow is another day.